0: Y'all show talk with a southern accent with your host John Rawl here on a Thursday. We're going to get into Hurricane Michael coverage, the storm now a tropical storm. We're going to hear in just a few minutes from the governors of Florida and Georgia, both had press conferences earlier today. We will play them in their mostly in their entirety, and you'll hear other figures involved in those states' efforts to recover from Hurricane Michael as the storm has now gone through the Sunshine State and the Peach State and the Carolinas today moving northward. This is John Rawl. This is the show all about the South. This is y'all. 803-816-1170 is our phone number. Encourage you to check out with us. And, of course, we encourage you to go to redcross.org to help contribute to the financial recovery of the South, which many, many Southerners are going through a tough time right now we've got a lot more details coming your way on hurricane michael also in hour two of today's y'all show we're going to have some football talk so we'll get away from hurricane michael in hour two we'll have some info on books football both the sec we'll tell you about the weekend's games in the southeastern conference plus we'll have some nfl coverage speaking of storms Julius Peppers is a star defensive playmaker for the Carolina Panthers, and he is a native of eastern North Carolina. And this week he went to eastern North Carolina to help out with the folks recovering from Hurricane Florence's floodwaters. And we're going to hear a press conference that Peppers had in Charlotte earlier this week. Then another great NFL player from the south is Drew Brees, and he made an incredible feat this week in NFL, becoming the passing leader, yards passing leader, in the National Football League. We're going to hear drew breeze an hour or two as well and most of those interviews with breeze and peppers is not about football it's about life and and just the impact so that's ahead an hour or two but again we're focusing today on hurricane michael which came ashore just to the east southeast i guess technically of panama city beach on wednesday mexico beach seems to be ground zero for this storm and it is now the third most powerful hurricane to hit the United States mainland in recorded history. I think it was Camille in the late 60s that hit Louisiana. Mississippi is a little bit higher, and then there was one in the 1930s. It was recorded to be recorded higher than Hurricane Michael, but yeah, it left a path of destruction across several states, with downed power lines, trees going everywhere, and at least two people. Have died as a result, and it, and is not done yet. It, and it's moving northward. It'll be into Virginia tonight sometime, and it's on a fast track. That's the the one good thing, if there is any good news coming from Hurricane Michael, as it has weakened to a tropical storm, no longer the Category Four monster that was only like two miles from being a Category Five storm when it hit Mexico Beach on Wednesday. 155 mile per hour winds it packed into the coast of the Sunshine State, but it's got heavy rains, blustery winds, and certainly in this kind of storm, you're going to have spinoff tornadoes, and it went in, and going into Georgia, it was still a Category 3 hurricane, and that's the first Category 3 hurricane Georgia has experienced in more than 100 years, and the only other time that happened, it came in from the Atlantic, where you would think a hurricane would come into Georgia as a Cat 3 and this one's coming in from the Gulf of Mexico, so it had to travel at least a hundred miles or so the way it travels to into southwest Georgia and it still was a cat three hurricane. As again this is moving currently it's in North Carolina, South Carolina area. It's so massive it's gonna be across a large area, but it's got top winds uh today, fifty miles per hour moving northeast at twenty one miles per hour. And now you've got law enforcement out with search and rescue. That's the number one priority. And we're going to hear in just the next segment from Rick Scott, the governor of Florida. We've got Nathan Deal coming up later this hour, governor of Georgia. And you're going to hear them talk about that's the priority. Now that the storm has left, those two states, both Florida and Georgia officials are going to get out there and make sure there's not someone in desperate need. And some of the flooding will go down throughout today, and they should be able to get people that are in need. I'm sure you're like me, you probably watched a lot of the coverage on Wednesday afternoon and on into the night and even today. And I I because this storm hit in the afternoon, at least on the beachfront where it hit, you have a lot of video of this thing, which is not often the case. And it was amazing to see some of the video of those homes literally having the roofs ripped off and you had let's see uh, a lot of convenience stations they don't hold a chance when a hurricane comes i i guess they're just very not not built very well and they they get wrapped up and they they have to be re- rebuilt completely but i i think i think this will be a very costly hurricane i'm not discounting that at all but it from what i'm seeing you know 24 hours or less than 24 hours after this thing comes through it, it will be back Okay, It's going to take some time. I heard Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida, talking about the destruction in northwest Florida. And he said that Mexico Beach, an old Florida town as he described it, is gone. Now, I did see that video and it did look extremely, extremely bad in Mexico Beach. And I've I've not been there. I've been just past it. I've been to Port St. Joe, which is just to the southeast of that on the way to Apalachicola from Panama City. But we know that that is a very beautiful part of Florida's Gulf Coast. And this thing being right on the Panama City Beach area, of course, they are a major tourist area. And Florida's going to take a major hit. So we want to keep them in mind. And just like we encouraged people a couple months ago, or a couple weeks ago now, but a month ago, When Florence hit the Carolinas, please consider going there and supporting those people as they recover in 2019. That's the message we're going to give to this part of Florida and other areas affected by Hurricane Michael. But yeah, you saw all kinds of video. The reporters are out in full force. Power's down everywhere. And I guess one another, trying to 24 hours later, trying to find some good in here. I think A lot of the structures down there were built pretty good, so most probably are going to be okay unless a tree fell on them. Power lines down, that's probably the worst thing right now for the people that are in the area. But the other thing I will say, and this is not picking on this part of Florida, but there are a lot more populated areas this thing could have been centered up on that it could have hit and would have affected and and maybe killed more people. that, That could have been a lot worse if it had gone let's say, into a Pensacola or perhaps over into one of the major cities like Tampa. Very easily could have done that, but it didn't. And I've been to Apalachicola, and this is a storm that flooded Apalachicola. I believe historic flooding. I think I saw where it was like nine feet above flood stage or something like that in Apalachicola, which Apalachicola is where the Chattahoochee River flows from, Atlanta downward, and it forms that border between Alabama and Georgia, then gets into Lake Seminole, and then it changes its name maybe to the Appalachicola River or something like that. I should know, but it, it's not the Chattahoochee when it hits the Gulf. A lot of oysters in that area, and that's kind of the oyster capital of the southeast, I think. I think that's what they build themselves out. But that's not a very populated area, and I love it. That's one reason I like going to Appalach, is the nickname down there but it's not not that populated and a lot of people live in places like Atlanta or other cities in the south and they just have second homes out there on those beaches around that part of the coast of Florida and that could be a good thing also let's keep in mind when this hit it's it's october a lot of people just don't live on the coast of florida beyond august so yeah it's it's a it's a beautiful area and it's it's pl- I'm envious. I'd like to live there all year, frankly, but a lot of people don't, and it's mainly because of jobs and stuff like that. It's it's pretty hard to be there year-round unless you've got a a job that can be gainful. You can be gainfully employed year-round, but we're seeing lots of disturbing images coming in of the destruction from Mexico Beach and even Apalachicola and into Georgia, as they had incredible incredible winds throughout georgia last night and in into south carolina today i know that in columbia south carolina they have had a lot of down power lines 11,000 outages reported as of 8:30 this morning by the power company in columbia sceng a power line fell on a house in downtown columbia i know a big tree fell across interstate 26 blocking various lanes of traffic. The officials there are doing their darndest to keep things as much as in order as possible. Now, another good thing now that we get inland from Florida, this storm moving so fast, unlike Hurricane Hugo, this storm is not only going through Columbia, it's gonna affect Charlotte, North Carolina. It was in 1989 when Hurricane Hugo came through and it hit around Charleston on the coast of South Carolina. But the more damage and really the number of deaths were much higher in Charlotte which is three to four hours away from the coast because of tornadoes and flooding and such. Now, this storm is coming through today through Charlotte and North Carolina, but it's moving so fast that I think we're going to be okay in in the Queen City in that area from the effects of Hurricane Michael, but just a nasty, nasty situation, and we're hoping everybody gets through it. Now, to help out the effort, The National Guard has mobilized in several states as the governors of Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina have declared states of emergency prior to the landfall of Hurricane Michael. Florida has about 1,100 Guard members on duty with helicopters on standby. The Florida Army National Guard has about 670 high-water vehicles and 14 Zodiac rafts available. North Carolina has announced that 150 North Carolina National Guard members are on duty for Hurricane Michael. That number may go up. Now, how can you help? Well, if you're a guardsman, that's great. Perhaps you're already helping out. But financially, you can help out by going to redcross.org. They've got a link to where you can send in a donation. Any amount is welcome. But you have a couple of ways to do that. You could donate online, you could donate by mail if you'd like. Send your donation to American Red Cross. P.O. Box 37839, Boone, Iowa, that's Boone, I-A, 50037-0839. That's American Red Cross, P.O. Box 37839, Boone, Iowa, 50037-0839. You can also call the Red Cross and make a donation. And that number is 1-800-HELP-NOW. That's one 800 435 7669. And um, the American Red Cross is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Contributions to the American National Red Cross are tax deductible to the extent permitted by law. And that is good news. You can make a tax deductible donation to the Red Cross and help out in the Hurricane Michael relief effort. No donation is too small. And help out, help others affected by Hurricane Michael. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to hear from Florida Governor Rick Scott. Of course, he's running for U.S. Senate in the Sunshine State, but all that is irrelevant right now as his state is hurting. And so we're going to hear a press conference he had earlier today. Later, we're going to hear from the counterpart of Rick Scott across the state line in Georgia. Nathan Deal also had a presser. We'll hear both of these Republican governors, both of which are in their final months in office, at least as governor. And Scott's leaving and Deal's leaving, and Deal isn't running for another position. Scott's running for U.S. Senator in the state of Florida. So we'll have those pressers coming up here on the Y'all Show as we want to remember and help our folks across the South affected by Hurricane Michael.
1: Oh, come on. We see it every day. They cut you off, and they tick you off, It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com.
4: And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T promo code 4646. Avant.com code 4646.
6: Woke up late today, and I still feel the sting of the pain, but I brush my teeth anyway.
5: I got dressed through the mess and put a smile on my
6: face. I got a little bit stronger.
0: It's the Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent with John Rawl. We are having continuing coverage of Hurricane Michael. The storm came into Florida on Wednesday as a Cat 4 with its winds packing a punch the third most powerful storm at least wind speed in u.s history rick scott governor of florida held a press conference earlier today in tallahassee we are going to hear from that press conference right now and if you hang on we're going to hear from nathan deal in just a few minutes governor of georgia and what he had to say about the storm when it got into his state and it got to georgia as a category three storm now it had to go across florida's panhandle For a good hour or two, that would be 50 to 100 miles of land it went across, and it only was downgraded from a Cat 4 to a Cat 3 during that period of time. It's now a tropical storm. That's good news for the people in the Carolinas where this is moving across today. But it is a destructive hurricane, and we want to, again, encourage you to go to redcross.org and make a donation or listen to authorities about how you can help out those in these multiple states affected by Hurricane Michael. All righty, here is Governor Rick Scott of Florida with today's press conference about Hurricane Michael.
3: The bravery of people doing this is unimaginable. Pray for each of these individuals. Our law enforcement and first responders are heroes and are leaving their families to help others. We cannot thank them enough. This morning, I will be joining the Florida National Guard to survey damage in Panama City and Mexico Beach. The Florida Department of Transportation is leading a massive effort this morning with dozens of crews to clear debris along critical roadways so first responders, National Guard, medical personnel, food, water and supplies, and utility workers can get to where they are needed. Do not get out on the roads today. Do not travel home today. Roads are not open and you will not be able to get home if you live in or near the coast. I know this has to be very, very frustrating. I know you just want to go home. You want to check on things and begin the recovery process. We're working as quickly as possible to make that happen. But first, we need your help, your patience, and your understanding that before you return, we have to make sure things are safe. And law enforcement and rescue workers are able to save lives. This also applies to families that sheltered in place. If it is not, if it is not safe to leave your house, don't leave it. Don't take a chance. Listen to local officials. Do not go out and explore the damage. Let the professionals do that. You will only put your own life and the lives of others at risk if you venture out onto unsafe roads. Again, if you and your family made it through the storm safely, which I prayed that you did, the worst thing you can do now is act foolishly and put yourself and your family in danger or keep law enforcement and rescue workers from saving somebody's life. I cannot stress this enough. We also need people to be very safe if you're using a generator. Do not put a running generator in your home. Look at the instructions. Follow the instructions to a T. Be safe. Following the landfall, I requested that President Donald Trump issue a major disaster declaration to allow federal resources to flow quickly into the impacted communities. I spoke with the President before landfall yesterday and again just a few minutes ago and he is committed to make every federal resource available to help the recover. I was also briefed by the U.S. Coast Guard yesterday. They were pre-positioned in Tampa and Mobile with critical assets and resources during the storm and will be deploying for response. The Coast Guard last night ran 10 rescue missions through the night, and they have already saved lives. I spoke with the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kristen Nielsen this morning. I also spoke with Brock Long this morning and met with FEMA's Southeast Regional Coordinator, Gracia Check. Homeland Security and FEMA have committed to providing everything we need, and we remain in constant contact with FEMA and all our federal partners who are mobilizing this morning. As I said last night, we are deploying a massive wave of response, and those efforts are already underway. Help is coming by air, land, and sea. We have 3,500 Florida National Guard with more than 1,000 high water vehicles, 13 helicopters, and 16 boats for humanitarian assistance, security operations, and search and rescue. The Florida National Guard has coordinated for 15 aviation assets from nine other states, including six helicopters, helicopters from New York, Mississippi, Maryland, and Ohio National Guards. I want to thank them for that as well as nine Black Hawk helicopters from New York, Wisconsin, Colorado, Louisiana, and Kansas National Guards. And I want to thank them for that. There are more than 1,800 local launch force officers ready to complete missions and deploy wherever needed. Some of those officers have already deployed into the impacted area. So we're going to augment local uh, police in all the impacted areas. We have 150 Fish and Wildlife Conservation Officers responding for rescue missions. The Florida Highway Patrol has 450 troopers in the Panhandle. And many troopers, they drove through the night uh, to get down to the coast and begin rescues. There are more than 1,000 search and rescue personnel with five fire engine strike teams, seven swift water rescue teams, and incident management team from the Florida Forest Service. Our search and rescue teams have already moved into Panama City, Mexico Beach, Tyndall, Alligator Point, Carabel, and air assets have been have made contact with Apalachicola and St. George Island. So here's here's how it works. First off, it's unbelievable what they did last night. If you if you look at I think I don't know if it's every time since I've been governor, it seems like every storm has been at night, and so we're able to start res, uh, rescue, search and rescue right away. This one, as you know, happened. Um, uh, during the day so we you know we couldn't do it during the day yesterday so but what was remarkable is if you go uh, and West Mall will explain this after I finish my briefing but we have all these teams uh, going down each of these quadrants to get to the coast and get to people as quickly as we can what's remarkable is they work through the night they work through the night where the lighting's bad there's unbelievable this is you know there's a lot of forest here and there's a lot of tree damage but on top of that there are down power lines so everybody everybody worked together last night to get to all those communities. And we're continuing to work all all day today. So we're getting the, all the roads that we can open and then we're fanning out uh, because we have, I mean, just think about it, this is a very dense part of the state. And so it's, it's gonna be a lot of work uh, to get to everybody, but we will get to everybody. Um, the Florida National Guard got down to Mexico Beach last night and made contact with about 20 residents that thankfully were not injured or in distress. These soldiers, also linked up with local law enforcement and they're continuing their mission. These brave men and women have already made incredible progress by getting into these areas and they're working in unimaginable conditions. And uh, I I know what I'm going to see today is way worse than I would ever have imagined. The Florida Department of Health has 80 ambulance strike teams and 400 ambulances to support search and rescue operations. Healthcare facility evaluations and local EMS augmentation. Um, We have two hospitals that are down in Panama City, and the state health officials are actively working to evaluate those hospitals, provide critical care to patients. I spoke with the um, uh, individuals responsible for those hospitals, and they're very appreciative of the efforts all night long uh, to uh, evacuate critical patients. And I know we're. The, we're working efforts today today to get the patients out of there uh so and then i want to i want to thank um everybody that's helping open open up uh temporary facilities to take care of our injured department of health has 50 nurses to staff staff special needs shelters three federal disaster medical assistant teams with 105 staff one hospital augmentation team from the international medical corps which includes 50 nurses two hospital emergency department teams and one emergency hospital they um I went through this back with Irma, and uh, what the services they can bri- provide in this uh, temporary facility is, is remarkable. And it's just a, a class act a group of people that work very hard to want to take care of people. This uh, Florida Agency for Healthcare Administration continues to be in contact with healthcare facilities to ensure they have the resources they need. And we're, we, my expectation is all of our patients are going to be taken care of. And uh, ACA and Department of Health is working with all of our facilities to make that happen. We have 2 million meals, 1 million gallons of drinking water, and 400,000 pounds of ice that is being distributed right now. And we're going to get that out as quickly as we can and and keep it flowing. The Red Cross uh, is also bringing in 500 disaster relief workers to shelter and feed at sites in affected counties. And I want to thank the Red Cross. Um, They've always shown up and done a great job. Right now, utilities are reporting more than 400,000 homes and businesses without power. So we'll have up some updated numbers through the day as you talked here's what the, you, I've been talking to the utilities this morning and today is they're doing everything to assess the damage and to come up with a plan to restore power and they're you know they're bringing in assets we have over 19,000 people working on power restoration but the process is they've got to figure out exactly what they need to do and then they've got to allocate the resources to get it done. It's very 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 important that we all stay safe. You've got to listen to local officials. Do not try to travel home to a coastal county that was in the path of Hurricane Michael. Uh, It's not safe. Uh, It might not even be possible that you're going to be able to get there, and you could get in the way of law enforcement and rescue workers who are trying to do their job and save people's lives. Everyone needs to stay off the roads. The entire nation and world have watched as this monstrous storm has devastated our Gulf Coast and our Panhandle. The love and support we've received from so many has been overwhelming and we greatly appreciate all of the resources and prayers that have been offered. On behalf of the Gulf Coast and the great state of Florida, I want to thank the nation for your prayers. We will stop at nothing to keep people safe. We will use every resource. We will not waver. We're not gonna stop fighting. During disasters, Floridians take care of each other. We've been through a lot together and we will continue to do that. Floridians are strong, Floridians are resilient. We will recover and we will do it together. I just want to keep everybody safe. Uh, You can go to visit, if you want information on shelters or emergency assistance, go to floridadisaster.org. If you want to know about current road conditions, you can go to fl511.com. But just remember that on a lot of the roads, they're not not gonna be listed as closed because we don't have enough information yet and they might be impassable. So we're getting uh, more information all all the time, but there's a lot of down power lines up here and there's a lot of fallen trees and it's dangerous. Uh, so, but um, everybody who's, I mean, DOT, forestry, everybody's working hard to get our roads open. So it's going to take it's going to take some time to survey and clear all the roads, uh, but we'll, they'll be, uh, DOT will be up, updating the website as quickly as they can. You can call the state emergency information uh, line for assistance. It's 1-800-342-3557. One 342 3557 You can also get information at FL uh, Cert or FL Gov on Twitter uh, for live updates. El Hurcan Michael fue un, una tormenta muy peligrosa. Uh, Escuche a los oficiales locales. Muy importante. Escuche a los oficiales locales y mantenga a su familia a salvo. Tenemos un esfuerzo masivo de respuesta para ayudar. I'll be glad to answer any questions. And again, when I finish, uh, Wes will come up and explain uh, the uh, the map. And I think everybody has yeah, one there. I, uh, mentioned a
7: number of internet
3: resources
7: and places to find information, but the problem is that even here in Tallahassee, cell phones are not working. There's no power. How do people learn anything?
3: Yeah, it's we're working. Um, we're uh, we're working to get all the, You know, we're working to get the power back on. We've been talking to the uh, telecom providers to get them uh, back up. We're going to do it as quickly as they can. Um, but for, the, for those that do have it, this is where you can get information. But it's, it's, we're working hard to get it all up.
0: And that was Florida Governor Rick Scott surrounded by a cadre of other officials within the government there in the state of Florida as they had this press conference earlier today about Hurricane Michael and its effect on the Sunshine State. When we come back, the governor of Georgia also had a press conference surrounded by people helping out in his state, Nathan Deal will be up next, and we'll hear what Georgia officials are saying about the storm as it moved across the Peach State. This is y'all. Talk with us Southern X.
8: Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The gorgeous hair event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Drybar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th, only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful.
6: This here is the story of Lawrence, who always wanted to play pro football. His parents supported his love of the game, sent him to special camps, and then in college. Pro Scouts came to a bunch of games where Lawrence was playing The Trumpet at halftime. Yeah, Lawrence was never that good at football. Gave up by the time he got to college. But he also learned how Geico could save him a lot of money on car insurance. So he switched and saved. So this here story has a happy ending after all.
2: Ever wonder why Europeans seem to speak so many languages? Maybe it's because they use Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Babbel's award-winning technology gets you speaking right away, whether you're learning Spanish, French, or German. And best of all, you'll remember what you've learned. I always thought I was bad at languages, but after using Babbel, I can tell you I was just taught the wrong way. Using Babbel's 10 to 15-minute lessons, you can be speaking confidently in your new language within weeks.
8: I was amazed that I could start having real-life conversations right away. It was so fast. Now I'm speaking Spanish. Woohoo! <laughs>
2: No wonder Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Try it for yourself and see why Babbel is the quick way to get conversational in a new language, like Spanish, French, or more. You can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Or download the app to try it for free. That's Babbel.com.
9: We are back on
0: Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with John Raw. We're having continuing coverage this hour on Hurricane Michael, which came across both Florida, Georgia, as well as the Carolinas moving northward today. And we heard in the previous segment from Rick Scott, Governor of the State of Florida, which his area around Panama City, Mexico Beach, were ground zero for this hurricane on Wednesday, and it packed a punch. Third most destructive in terms of wind speed and U.S. history with Category 4 speed, nearly a Category 5 hurricane. And when it got into Florida, it was bad enough. But some hours later, while it was going over land, it still was destructive. And it went into southwest Georgia, went across Albany, went up toward Macon, toward Augusta, and caused lots of damage across a huge swath of the state of Georgia. Nathan Dill is the governor of the Peach state and he held a press conference today after the storm had moved into the Carolinas. And we're going to go now and hear what Governor Deal and others had to say about the recovery of Michael in the state of Georgia.
10: First of all, let me give you an overview. Uh, the Georgia Forestry Commission has some nine chainsaw strike teams working in five counties, and there are seven... Uh, Georgia Forestry Commission dozers that are clearing storm debris from roadways in Decatur County, which is one of the hardest-hit areas in the state. I might add, in general terms, right now the main focus is going to be on debris removal so that power line trucks and repair crews can access the areas that are without power. In that regard, we're told there are about 450,000 power outages that have been reported statewide. And the primary focus at this point is on damage assessment and getting crews in to restore that power as quickly as possible. There are more than 53 poultry houses that were completely destroyed in Southwest Georgia and the Department of Agriculture is coordinating the necessary responses. The Georgia State Patrol has made initial response teams that are moving into southwest Georgia and have established a command post in Miller County. The Georgia State Patrol Aviation Operations is beginning uh, their route reconnaissance and uh, damage assessments in the hardest hit area, which is southwest Georgia. The Georgia Department of Transportation has reports of 127 state routes that are closed due to trees and and an additional 120 roads with debris on them. They are beginning preliminary assessments now and expect that, that number to increase throughout the day, but every GDOT crew is out working for storm response. The Department of Corrections has 17 debris removal teams working throughout the affected area. Six Red Cross shelters open are open with a total of 372 residents overnight, The ARC and uh, GEMA and Homeland Security continue to coordinate with local EMAs regarding additional sheltering needs. The Department of Public Health is coordinating with approximately 20 hospitals and 15 nursing homes that are reporting power outages. All are currently operating on a generator system. There are communications outages that are spread throughout the affected area, primarily southwest Georgia. Uh, GEMA is working with all telecommunications carriers on conducting damage assessments and evaluating the cell tower sites that might have been damaged as a result of the hurricane. We'll open it up now for your questions.
9: Uh, Governor, you mentioned Commissioner Black mentioned yesterday that cotton
7: and DK
6: crops are kind of at ground zero. Uh,
10: what's been the early assessment of those? Well, um, we asked that question uh, of him, and he's here, and I'll let him expound on it. I think it's still too early to make any any good assessment, but Commissioner,
7: yes, sir. Thank you, Governor. It is uh, our worst dreams, I believe, are, are being realized. Uh, I have seen then pictures this morning of cotton that was being harvested yesterday. Uh, It was an outstanding yield of three bales an acre. And today where the farmer stopped uh, this morning, you cannot tell where he stopped harvest and where the rest of it was harvested by the storm. Uh, So we're working with our federal partners. There's going to be a lot of work to do in that regard. Uh, Some uh, pecan-affected areas from last year are uh, have somewhat escaped a, a, a little bit, but then there are others that uh, we're, we're still we're keep not even having communication with them yet. We're still trying to reach those growers in southwest Georgia. So it's a, um, it's, it's a, it's a very serious day for, for agriculture. This is going to have a lingering effect to the rural parts of our state for some time to come, but we we'll look forward to keeping you informed as we move forward. Thank you, Thank you, Commissioner. Anyone else? We,
8: we heard about uh, wood death related to this here in Georgia, and apparently a young girl. So that's be tough for you, to hear, to know if you
10: had any other updates on uh, That's all we have heard, and it was apparently a tree that fell on her house or trailer, whatever. Uh, and that's unfortunate when you have loss of life. But um, we don't deal with that issue primarily from our office. Uh, We're waiting on any further reports, but thank goodness. Uh, that's the only one that I'm aware of at the present time.
0: Governor,
9: you spoke with President Trump yesterday. He, he declared a federal disaster today, today. Talk about what impact that has on the state and its ability to respond to the state.
10: Well, we have gotten a partial granting of federal response for our request for Assistance. It relates primarily to debris removal at this point in time, which is, of course, our priority item. Not all of the counties, I'm told, were included in that federal uh, debris removal or, uh, approval, but uh, hopefully the uh, major ones are going to be covered by the expenses incurred in that. Uh, that will continue to be an ongoing issue because debris removal is always a big issue uh, after a hurricane in Georgia because we have so many trees that are adversely affected with high winds. But uh, we do anticipate, perhaps, that the president will uh, come and view portions of our state that were affected. We feel certain that he probably will go to Florida. We're hopeful that if he goes to Florida, he will also see fit to come to Georgia and see the affected areas here. I still do not have confirmation on that issue yet. It depends on who you talk to. Um, if you're one that got hit, it was a real disaster, obviously. Uh, it is still very early in the process. Many of the agencies that are represented by the heads who are here today are still in that assessment stage. Really couldn't do much during the nighttime hours, and really only this morning after the sun came up can you give a very thorough assessment. Uh, we have the helicopters that are doing their job in that regard. Um, it is still too early to give some summarization of what the total effects are.
1: Governor, you said that the uh the cater county seemed
10: to be hardest hit. Can you expound on that a little bit? Just, you know, why it was hardest hit, what what you saw there, or what wasn't reported there. Well, uh that is one of the harder hit areas. As we know, it came across the Florida panhandle and then into that corner of southwest Georgia. And those counties that are in that area, Seminole and the others, um, they're the ones that were the most heavily impacted. They're also the ones that, because of that impact, uh, have been more difficult to assess because communications, in some respects, have been drastically reduced. So as we get those abilities to communicate and get firsthand reports, we'll be in a better posture to be able to give you all a a further report later.
8: Governor, a follow-up please for Commissioner Black. You mentioned yesterday that you were going to have a call with Secretary Perdue um, to see about the resources that we think may support Georgian farmers. Could you give us a follow-up on what resources you may believe may specifically be made available from the federal level for Georgian farmers?
7: It was a very very good call. Certainly a heartfelt call because of his from relationship and being being our governor now, providing outstanding leadership there. Uh, I expect that he will be back. I, I, we had anticipated talking again today. There's there are no details, except just uh, actually some personal stories of Have you heard from somebody? Have you heard from somebody? And we kind of go down that call list together. Uh, there's deep concern. There's commitment from the White House. I'm very thankful to head of had a call from the White House also yesterday committing their, uh, you know, that, that communication that's so necessary when you're implementing whatever type of relief programs might be coming through USDA or FEMA. Or, so uh, we are, we're, we're in a very good position when it comes to communication and, and certainly an understanding of the, the gravity of the situation. So we'll be making, maintaining those lines of communication and look forward to reporting to all of you when we have more information.
10: Why don't I ask General Gerard, the head of our National Guard, to respond to that question. General. So we
9: uh, alerted 1,500 soldiers and airmen yesterday, and they began moving to the impacted areas this morning. So we've got uh, route clearance packages uh, that are headed south. we are also uh, been asked by GEMA to stand up two points of distribution sites to resupply the citizens that are impacted as well as the first responders that are down there. And as well, we've also um, alerted the military police, and we're going to send 150 military police to Albany to thicken the Georgia State Patrol and assist them in their responsibilities. So.
10: Anyone else? Well, th- thank you all for... Oh. I was just going to
8: ask, did you speak to the president directly, and if so, how did the conversation
10: go? I spoke to the president directly on Air Force One. And I thought that was exceptionally nice of him to go out of his way to, to talk to me personally. And I complimented him, and I complimented him for his uh, secretaries of his various agencies. I have had four or five different secretaries to call me personally. I had one this morning that called me again. And uh, they've been very, very responsive. I had the uh, southeastern regional commander of uh, the Army Corps of Engineers. She called me yesterday yesterday. And uh, she stands ready to do. And, and of course, when it comes to debris removal, uh, the best way to do that probably is to use the federal contractors who are already on standby and under contract for debris removal. So we, we've had very good cooperation from the White House and from the various agencies under the White House's jurisdiction. And
8: Governor Deion, one specific message to the people affected by the storm across the state, what would that be? What would you want them to
10: hear? Well, first of all, uh, be patient. The uh, most important thing for them is to get their roadways cleared and to get their power restored. However, past experience tells us that one of the greatest impediments to restoring power is people who get in the way of the power trucks and the crews who are working to make that happen. So I would ask them to be patient. Do not impede those who are trying to help you. They are there working very hard and all of the entities that have responsibility for providing power to our citizens are all engaged and they are going to get power restored just as fast as they possibly can. So, but. Anybody knows that if you've ever been without power, that is a very difficult situation. We're not accustomed to that. And uh, those uh, institutions that are fortunate enough to have generators, and, of course, those are the important ones, uh, the hospitals and the nursing homes, and we are told that all of them have power, many of them by way of generators, that uh, we are working with the power companies they're working, to make sure that the regular supply of energy is restored as quickly as possible. Thank you for your question.
0: Governor Nathan Deal of the Empire State of the South, that would be Georgia, talking in a press conference earlier today discussing the effect of Hurricane Michael on his state. And again, we encourage all of you to go to RedCross.org Cross, Red and make a donation. That will go to people in various states, everywhere that people are needing help as this storm has been a historic storm here in October in the southeast when we come back on the y'all show we're going to get away from hurricane michael we're going to talk some books actually to start hour two we've got the amazon top 100 books listing and we're going to highlight some great reads some great southern reads that you might want to get through and and i hate to say it all of you who might be listening in areas where you don't have power because of hurricane michael well, perhaps you have one of these great books, or you have access to go get a book, and you may not have electricity for a few days, so during the daytime hours, maybe you can go out and read a book, get through this madness. So we'll have that coming up just after the top of the hour. Then we'll move on to football talk. On Thursdays, we have our SEC Spotlight. We're going to tell you about what's going on with the starting quarterback of the University of Alabama, Tua Viola, and we'll also discuss other related injury issues within the southeastern conference then we'll tell you about a stellar football player who has made a pledge to be a georgia bulldog in 2019 we've got that breaking news coming your way and then a former head coach of the florida gators basketball team is being honored and we'll tell you about that as we're just on the brink of the start of college basketball season across the country Then as we wrap up this next hour of the Y'all Show, we're going to have an NFL spotlight. We're going to hear from two great Southern NFL stars who both play for NFC South teams. We'll hear from Julius Peppers of the Carolina Panthers and Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints. Now, Peppers went over to his native area of North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina this week, to help those out who were affected by Hurricane Florence. And he talks about that. We'll have that presser coming up in Hour 2. Plus, Drew Brees, who's a great southerner, Texas native, but played for whatever reason at Purdue as a college player. He's been with the Saints for a long time now and a great, great, great guy, great football player and a great role model. Well, he became a leader in the NFL in terms of passing yards on Monday night of this week. And we're going to go hear his press conference after that incredible feat. And you'll learn a lot more about Breeze that doesn't have to do with the X's and O's of NFL football. That's ahead as we roll on on a Thursday. It's the Y'all Show with John Rawl, Talk with a Southern accent.
1: We see it every day. They cut you off. And they tick you off. It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com.
0: It's the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern accent as we start Hour 2 on this Thursday edition with your host, John Rawl, and again, keeping our friends in Florida the and Georgia and, of course, the Carolinas and Alabama as well, impacted by Hurricane Michael. We had plenty of coverage of this in Hour 1. We don't want you to think we're forgetting about you, but again, support the folks who are helping those who have suffered loss in this devastating storm that hit on Wednesday. This hour two of the y'all show today, we're going to talk a lot of football in a little bit. I think that's a great way to get our mind off the tragic events from the last 24 hours or so. And we've got both college football and NFL football to talk about this hour. We're going to have our SEC spotlight coming up next segment. You don't want to miss it. We've got some news on the starting quarterback for the University of Alabama, Mr. Hawaiian quarterback, the Hawaiian punch. <laughs> and I said that out of great reference to this great quarterback. Yeah, he had a little bit of an injury. We'll tell you what's going on with Tua when we get to that SEC spotlight in the next segment. We'll look at the schedule for the Southeastern Conference this weekend. Some recruiting news from the Georgia Bulldogs. Good news there. And a former Florida basketball coach getting a big honor. We'll have all of that coming up in the SEC spotlight. And then wrapping up the show today in our final segment, we're actually going to hear from some NFL players. That's something we really haven't done a lot of. We love to focus primarily on college football, but we we certainly recognize the NFL as a major force. And we're going to hear from two players They play for two southern teams, and the bulk of these interviews really is not about football. It's about more than football. The first player we're going to hear from is Julius Peppers of the Carolina Panthers. Now, he is a native of eastern North Carolina, and his hometown was affected by Hurricane Florence. And in the last couple of days, Peppers, who starred at UNC before going to the NFL, he went back to his Part of native his native part of the state of North Carolina left Charlotte went to Eastern North Carolina and he helped out and we're going to hear him talk about going back and just meeting with people in the area and and discussing you know, how he's helped out how he wants others to help out so we're that's going to be really more of a Hurricane Florence recovery story more than football but we felt like that was something you should hear maybe hasn't got the kind of attention the the follow up and to have a big NFL star coming back to his home area is, is big news, especially in the middle of the season, as it is right now. I'm a little surprised, even though he plays for a team that plays in the state of North Carolina, that the schedule even allowed him to get away, especially when it was not an open week. The Panthers already had their open week a couple of weeks ago. So we'll hear from Julius Peppers. And then what he did was a great feat. Well, let's hear from a guy that did a great feat on the gridiron. This week, and he's a great guy too. And that's Drew Brees, quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Of course, Monday night, he made history in the NFL with passing yards. And we're going to go in and hear his comments after that game as he met with the media. And you'll get to learn a lot more about this guy who really is a sensational person. And obviously, he's got the records now in the NFL to go and be a first ballot Hall of Famer when that time comes. As is Julius Peppers. I think he's assured a spot in Canton, Ohio one day as well. So we'll have Julius Peppers and Drew Brees coming up later this hour as we wind down the y'all show on this Thursday. Okay, let's look at books right now. We're going to try to live our life by the book. I recently found out that Amazon.com, which really kind of got its start because of books, well, they are... I assume, unless proven otherwise, they're the number one place for books in the world. I think more people buy from Amazon than any place. So Jeff Bezos, his his experiment is working now. It didn't for a long time, but it's working now. But of course, Amazon sells a lot more than books. But that's their bell cow, you could say. Well, they have the Amazon bestsellers list. And I didn't realize they had this until... The other day I stumbled upon it and I was like, gosh, that, that's even more accurate than the New York Times bestseller list because the Amazon bestsellers list is the popular books based on sales and it's updated hourly. So if you go write a book and everybody in the world buys it in in, in one hour, it's going to show up at number one probably on the Amazon bestsellers list. And the interesting thing about this list, it's got a hundred books on this list. And these books may not be all that new. In fact, the number two book came out in 2010. It's called The Wonky Donkey, and it's a kid's book about a donkey. And it's number two, a paperback by Craig Smith. So if you are looking for that stocking stuffer and your kids don't have The Wonky Donkey, I have no idea what it's about, but it's a kid's book, which is right up my alley. That's probably what I need to be reading are kids' books, uh, illustrated kids book that could be a good selection for old saint nick to get me but yeah it's got a combination of all kind of books now let's go through some of these books and if i can prove that there's a southern connection on some of them i'll make sure i at least give them some love Brene brown is number one on the amazon bestsellers list with a title dare to leave brave work conversations okay that sounds more like a business book i'm not going to Go dive in and read all the gory details of this book. But Dare to Lead from Brene Brown, number one on the Amazon bestsellers list. Now, here's a guy that you might recognize from Fox News. Tucker Carlson's got a book out called Ship of Fools. And I can see some people on there like Maxine Waters. uh, Not the greatest illustration of her. It looks like Pelosi's on there, Hillary Clinton. So you can take a guess that this is probably a very right-leaning type book from Tucker Carlson. I was just talking about him the night before last because Tucker Carlson really got to be famous, not because of his great political insight on television. He was the guy that always wore a bow tie back in the 90s when he was first on national television. And he was like a young guy wearing a bow tie with a nice haircut and I, he kind of was conservative, but he he really wasn't a southerner. I think Tucker is actually a native of California. But that bow tie really kind of made him stand out, and people still relate bow ties with Tucker Carlson. However, he doesn't wear bow ties anymore. In fact, I've heard him on Fox News say that he's not going to wear them anymore. That it, it kind of made his statement, and he wasn't about making a statement. Well, I I wear bow ties. I don't wear them every day. I don't think you should wear them every day. I'm thinking maybe one day a week. Maybe if you get wild and crazy two days a week. But if you got to wear a tie, you, you need to wear the traditional long necktie most days. You don't want to wear a bow tie every day. They're 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 for the, the, the really neat occasions. They're also very practical. You can stick it in your jacket if you're wearing a sport coat and just fold it over, stick it in your pocket and go without a tie and then if you go to an event like i did this week where you weren't really sure if you needed to have a tie on or not until you get there and if you see people going in all de- decked out in ties well you can go to the bathroom and quickly stick that bow tie and put it around your neck tie and tie it and, and go into the event and because you're wearing a bow tie versus the long neck tie you actually kind of step up and the eyes of a lot of people thinking you're even more dressed than those other people might be. And you may not even be wearing a suit. You may just have a sport coat and a pair of khakis or something like that on. But they're very easy to just, you know, kind of fold over, stick in your pocket. Heck, if you really want to get creative, I've even even used bow ties as pocket squares before. (laughs) Because if you fold them just right, they kind of look just like a, a good pocket square. So... Yeah, very, very practical. But Tucker Carlson's book, Ship of Fools, number three right now on the Amazon bestseller list. Now, I have no idea if there's a Southern connection, but I like the title of the number four book from Rachel Hollis. Girl, wash your face, stop believing the lies. And it is a fiction book, but I don't know what it's about. Okay, another Trump-related book out there that you could check out. It is called Whose Boat Is This Boat? comments that don't help in the aftermath of a hurricane and it says it's from the staff of the late show so you can imagine that it's not going to be very flattering and it says it's written by donald j trump by accident i don't like the late show i'm embarrassed that they show that left leaning even if it was right leaning anything that political is is packaged as entertainment right after the local news it is i think all of the late night shows are are very very left of center the ones not even on your main broadcast networks comedy central i mean even before trump they got to be they got to be the little intellectual liberal type shows and i just i don't understand how that's happened but yeah the late show staff with this humorous book at least they think it is about trump bill o'reilly remember him you know the guy used to be on fox but also had all the killing books well his latest book it looks like is doing pretty well it's called killing the ss now i love world war ii history and i can't imagine that bill o'reilly really writes these books it says that it's with martin dugard so i wonder if bill o'reilly even writes one word in these books because he's had a bunch of them come out. But this latest book killing the SS, it came out this week actually. That's why I hadn't seen it before. And it's in his killing series and it's the number one book in history right now. And if it's true, if it's it's a I, I haven't seen all the reviews in on this book, but oh man, I'm 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 just wanting to tell you this because I love military history. But frankly, a lot of the really good movies and a lot of the good documentaries that you can watch on YouTube or such, they usually have to do with Nazis or the SS or something. And I, I guess because that regime was filmed, that's where you have a lot of the archival footage, and it's just fascinating to watch. It doesn't mean I support them. I, you know, certainly don't. But it's just amazing stuff. And you know, this isn't just me. Most of your World War II movies that have come out all have that kind of stuff in there. I mean, sometimes it might be a little wacky type movies, uh, humorous, as we saw with the, uh, what was the one where they it was a fake movie where they went in and, and did the raid, but that was a couple of years ago. But yeah, it's it, just part of the history, but it's, it's, you know, Killing the SS is the name of this book. I'll have to pick up a copy and, See what old Bill O'Reilly, how he's doing in his post-Fox News channel days. I don't think Bill is hurting too much for for money. A book out by Michael Lewis. I think that's the guy that wrote The Blind Side. I think I'm right on that. He's got a new book out. It came out uh, last week. It's called Michael Lewis, The Fifth Risk is the name of this book. And it I think it's about the election, actually. So he he's a guy that has written tons of different books regarding... Uh, Blindside I think was one of his he wrote the yeah he did write that he also wrote Moneyball and Liar's Poker he lives in Berkeley California with his wife and three children so Michael Lewis man he's been on a roll in his writing career with this new book is The Fifth Risk check it out if you're into books and I don't read books that often but this guy certainly it appears he knows what he's doing Now, Nicholas Sparks, he's a Carolina-based writer, written several big books out there. The Notebook was one of them. His book is out. It's number 11 on the bestseller list from Amazon, Every Breath. Every Breath You Take. I don't think that's based on that song, but I bet you it had something to do with it. Nicholas Sparks, that's like a southern connection there for you. And I think Michael Lewis, at one time, has some kind of connection to New Orleans. And we were just talking about his book, The Fifth Risk. Could be what that is by. Now, the first book that's not really the kind of uh, read you'd want to sit in a chair and read all day. It's more of a cook-type book. And this is Skinny Taste One and Done, 140 No-Fuss Dinners from Gina Hamoka. I hope I pronounced Gina's last name correctly. So there you have a book at number 12 on the bestseller list. It's more of a cookbook. But it's got these no-fuss dinner recipes. That sounds yummy and a darn good idea for me. Moving along in the listing of books, uh, maybe some that might have a southern connection for you here on the Y'all Show. As we like to spotlight our south. Coming in at number 29, Charlottesville, Virginia, slash Oxford, Mississippi, author John Grisham. His book is his new book. It's not even out yet. It's coming out October 23rd, but already selling is The Reckoning. The Reckoning, a novel from the machine. And how about Grisham's record of writing? He has had 32 novels, one work of nonfiction, a collection of stories, and six novels for young readers. Not a bad, bad career, Mr. Grisham. And in this latest book, it's a saga of love and war. And according to the New York Times, it says that Grisham has given us a sprawling and engrossing story about a southern family, a global conflict, and the kinds of secrets that can shape all of us—from the courtrooms and jails of rural Mississippi to the war-torn Pacific—Grisham spins a tale that is at once entertaining and illuminating. *The Reckoning* from John Grisham. Now, I like the idea of that. It's got sounds like maybe set around World War II. Perhaps that. Certainly, if it's talking about the Pacific, it's the only war we've kind of been in when it comes to the Pacific. And the last book that I will spotlight here, it comes in at number 30 on the Amazon sellers list. We mentioned this the other day on our show in Hashtag Hullabaloo. It's Delia Owens' new book, and this is a new author. It's Where the Crawdads Sing, and it's doing quite well for this first novelist, Delia Owens. And I, I know we've seen some people chime in on the social media about this being a great book. It was a New York Times bestseller and a Reese Witherspoon Hello Sunshine Book Club pick where the Crawl Dads sing. By the way, Reese Witherspoon's in here at number 33, just below the Owens book. And Reese's book that's done quite well is Whiskey in a Teacup. Now, segue in from the movies to the books. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we'll get into football talk. We've got an SEC report up next with information on Mr. Tug from Alabama. We'll be right back. We
1: see it every day. They cut you off. And they tick you off. It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com.
0: Y'all talk with a good old Southern accent here on the Thursday edition, Hour 2, with your host, John Rawl. We've got some NFL sound bites coming up in the next segment. We'll have Julius Peppers from the Carolina Panthers and another NFC South team that will spotlight the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees, who made history this week. We've got Peppers and Brees just around the bend. Don't miss it as we'll hear both of these guys and most of the talking they'll be doing is not about the X's and O's of football. It's about more important things. So hold on for this great information. Right now on the Y'all Show, as you heard that million-dollar band playing, we're going to talk SEC football. And we'll start off with news from the University of Alabama as starting quarterback Tua Tagliola is dealing with a sprained knee that he suffered during last weekend's win at Arkansas but the coach of the Crimson Tide, Nick Saban, said yesterday it has not caused him to miss any reps in practice. He's a Heisman Trophy frontrunner, this native Hawaiian, and he got back into the game after suffering the injury and played briefly with a brace on his knee, but Takvaiola has been seen wearing a brace around the facility at Alabama this week during practice. Alabama hosts the Missouri Tigers on Saturday night. He has started every game for the Tide this season, and the sophomore usurped Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback for the Crimson Tide, which many speculate that Hurts may not be around Tuscaloosa next year. He kind of has been given the cold shoulder. Well, he's getting a chance to play a lot of football. He just is not the starting quarterback. But if things continue the way they appear in T-Town, both Tagovaila and Hertz are going to be having another national championship ring to stick on their finger in January. I don't know if Alabama can be stopped by anybody. And the way their games have gone for the most part, the Hawaiian comes in and he plays about a quarter, maybe a half of a second quarter, and then Hertz comes in and takes it into the fourth quarter when they'll have a third-string quarterback come in, maybe even a fourth-string. Things have gone quite well for the Crimson Tide in 2018. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Also, it looks like this is not SEC, ACC news, but I was thinking this guy might transfer to an SEC school. Remember the Clemson quarterback, Kelly Bryant, who kind of was in the same position as Jalen Hurts, getting the cold shoulder from Dabo Sweeney. Dabo went with a true freshman, actually, at Clemson this year. Of course, there is a SEC connection as Sweeney starred for the Alabama Crimson Tide in the early 90s. I'll, I'll say starred. He was on the team, and he did play as a walk-on wide receiver. But yeah, he's coaching the Clemson Tigers now. And Kelly Bryant took an unofficial visit to the North Carolina Tar Heels over the weekend and may be eyeing a transfer to UNC. Boy, they could sure use his talent, Kelly Bryant, who will have I think one full season of college football left wherever he decides to go. I just want him to go somewhere where he's going to put a hurting on Clemson because I think Clemson did him wrong. And I don't like Clemson. I've made that clear before. But even if I did like Clemson, they should have not gone to the freshman. Not now. He can play. But they should have left I mean, until Bryant really screws up. And he had not really screwed up. He'd been doing pretty much everything he was asked to do. Dabo just wanted a newer, fresher model out there on the showroom floor, and Kelly Bryant didn't like that. Now, he's taking his talent elsewhere outside of Clemson, South Carolina. But it looks like Viola will be playing this weekend when the Tide hosts Mizzou at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now, that is one of several games going on this weekend. That game at the at Bryant-Denny Stadium is going to be a 7 Eastern 6 kickoff on ESPN. Here is your lineup of SEC football for the weekend. It all gets started early on Saturday, and in Nashville, the Florida Gators, who are currently number 14, travel to Vanderbilt to take on the doors at Vanderbilt Stadium, and that is a 11 o'clock Nashville time kick on ESPN. At the same time, on the SEC network, the Tennessee Vols head to Jordan-Hare Stadium for the first time, I'm thinking it's been about 10 years since they played Auburn on the Plains, and both teams could really, really benefit from a win. Auburn is what are the 0 and 2 in the SEC right now, after losing to LSU and Mississippi State, and the Tigers hoping to at least get a win over Tennessee. Tennessee also struggling to find an SEC win, and this is going to be a noon Eastern, 11 Central time kick on the SEC Network from Jordan Hare Stadium in lee county alabama lsu and georgia are the cbs game this week as they kick at 230 in baton rouge and lsu ranked number 13 they took kentucky spot after they fell from i think they were number five last week they lost that game at florida and the tigers went down to 13 georgia is number two in the country this could be a real statement game for ed orgeron it was a tough challenge to go into florida and win for a second year in a row And they almost pulled it off, and without that pick six in the closing minutes, that game wouldn't have been as big of a score in the end as it was for UF. But LSU has a chance to really get back on the scene. And, And, of course, if things work out the way they want to at Baton Rouge, they could beat Georgia this weekend. They've got Alabama coming in there. They could knock off Alabama. They could win these two games. And win the rest of the way. They're going to find themselves in the college football playoff. Possibly with an SEC championship in tow. And LSU will not be severely penalizing penalized for losing that game in the swamp last week. But it's going to be a big one. And of course Georgia, they know that they need to win this game. It's the only SEC West team they play on the road this year. As they need to get this win. Of course they play historically every year. Auburn. From the West, so this is the only other non-Auburn West team they'll be playing in 2018. Georgia, LSU—that's the big CBS game this week. Well, this one's a pretty big game too, I think. Texas A&M and South Carolina get together in their so-called Bonham Trophy rivalry. I hope I got the name right, as Bonham was uh, from—he was from Saluda, South Carolina, Saluda County—and moved out to Texas. Was part of the Alamo and they have a trophy to honor this matchup between Texas A&M and South Carolina, the James Bonham Trophy. And Texas A&M comes in at number 22. Boy, they looked sharp last week getting that overtime win over Kentucky as Kentucky shot themselves in the foot. They didn't go to Mr. Snell in the end on that play that could have given them a touchdown in OT. They went for some trickery, and it just fell apart for the Cats, and they lost. Their reward for losing at Texas A&M, by the way, is they don't have to play this weekend. They're off. But Texas A&M gets to play, and assuming Hurricane Michael, Tropical Storm Michael, doesn't do too much damage in South Carolina, and there's not more flooding causing problems, this game will go on in Columbia, South Carolina. And this is a 3.30 Eastern kick at williams Bryce Stadium, going on at the same time as the LSU-Georgia kickoff in Baton Rouge but the Gamecocks, Will Muschamp, man, did you see any of their game last week with Missouri? You talk about a crazy game. First off, it was beautiful, and then it got ugly, and then a monsoon came, and Will Muschamp's hair was all out of whack. I, I You got to give the guy credit. He never put a hat on. He didn't even put a visor on when they were having a, a monsoon there in Richland County, South Carolina, along the bluffs of, on Bluff Road, actually, <laughs> on the bluffs of the Congaree River, and the Gamecocks, you just thought they would blew it. Missouri had a drive, and Missouri kicked a 57-yard field goal in the last minute of the game, what looked like a game-winner for the Tigers, and somehow the Gamecocks came back with a backup quarterback, Scarmucci, I think is his name, and he was a senior, redshirt senior, who really had never started a game, I don't think, in his entire time in Columbia. And he led the Gamecocks on a drive, had a big play to a tight end over the middle. That tight end was the only player on the Gamecock roster who was from the state of Missouri, from St. Louis. And he got him in field goal range, and at the buzzer, Carolina gets the field goal and takes the win over Missouri, which was a real painful loss for Missouri because they, they've lost to Georgia, they lost to South Carolina, in heartbreaking form. I, I, I guess the Georgia game, because it was home, made a little bit heartbreaking. It was a close game for the most part with UGA, but Missouri did lose that one convincingly if you look at the final score. With this one in Columbia, they they could have won that one. They should have won it. You thought God must be on their side when they hit that 57-yard field goal, but Carolina came back, found a way to win, and that's what football's about, finding ways to win. Other games in SEC play this weekend Those Missouri Tigers, as we mentioned, are in Alabama. And Arkansas and the Black Bear Landsharks of Mississippi tangle at War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock. And that is a change, as normally the Hogs play in Fayetteville, but they always have at least one game each season in the state capitol. And that's where this game will be this year. And this is a big plus for the Mississippians because they don't have to travel that extra three hours to Fayetteville. In fact... It's as close to War Memorial Stadium—it's as close to War Memorial Stadium from Oxford, Mississippi, than it is to Fayetteville, Arkansas. I know you can make it in about 2:45 from Oxford to downtown Little Rock, and I bet you it's more like a three-hour drive to Fayetteville. Now, luckily for Arkansas fans, they used to have to go up the Pig Trail to get to Fayetteville from the capital city. There's interstates now that can get you there. Go all the way toward. Was it Fort Smith and then up and you can make it on a nice paved four lane highway but the Razorbacks man they need a win and this would be huge for them but we've seen issues with that stadium this War Memorial Stadium has definitely seen its better days and I know there's going to be increased security there they had an awful incident right when high school football started in August at this stadium and it caused a lot of police activity and such at this downtown facility. And they're not really used to having these kind of games there. They only have one a year at War Memorial where the Cogs play. And this is not Arkansas versus some directional FCS school. This is a SEC team that can bring a lot of fans because it's not far. It's even closer to Oxford than Fayetteville has already said. So check out that game. This is a 6.30 Little Rock time start between the Razorbacks and the Sharks of Mississippi this weekend. Now, let's look at some recruiting news. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's going on because, remember, we've got two signing days in college football, two signing periods. you got the December signing period and then that first Wednesday in February, the traditional signing day of college football. Well, the Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart, they amped up the recruiting efforts as they signed, or I shouldn't say signed, they got a commitment from the number 33-ranked thir- safety in the 2019 class, as Lewis Seen has pledged his love to Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, this is a guy who grew up in Massachusetts for the most part, but somehow found his way to play in Cedar Hill, Texas, at Trinity Christian. I'm not sure what kind of school that is. His coach there for Trinity Christian is the one and only primetime Dion Sanders I didn't know that Dion was coaching high school football but evidently he is and seen as one of his players he had been favoring Penn State but Georgia came in and, and put the uh, press full court press on him and he went to a official visit in Athens back on September 28th when the Georgia Bulldogs beat Tennessee and that may have been all he needed to see. As he picked Georgia over Penn State, Florida, Michigan, and Texas after making official visits to all five schools. He's a six foot two, one hundred and eighty-one pound safety, again ranked number three in the country for the class of twenty nineteen at that position. Lewis Seen spelled last name spelled C I N E. So I seen it all with Lewis Seen, number three safety, pledging his commitment to the University of Georgia. Now, let's go to the hard court as we're about to get started with college basketball as preseason exhibition games will be happening in a couple of weeks, and then you got the regular season starting with, in about a month, maybe even less in some cases. Remember Lon Kruger? Here's the guy that coached the Florida Gators. Did a good job in Gainesville. But, man, Florida is just one of about 100 schools he's been a coach at. He has coached at Texas Pan American, Kansas State, Illinois, UNLV, and he's now coaching the Oklahoma Sooners, but he coached the Florida Gators, and he took them to a Final Four appearance back in 1994. And then he took Oklahoma to a Final Four appearance in 2016. And Lon Kruger, who's still going, and Kruger is going to receive the John R. Wooden Legends of Coaching honor next spring. So we congratulate this guy who was a force in the SEC on the basketball side of things when he was at Florida back in the 90s well that's a look at the sec football little basketball for you here on a thursday when we come back we're going to hear from some great nfl players julius peppers of the carolina panthers and drew Brees of the new orleans saints both guys doing an extraordinary work on and off the field we'll tell you about it when we come back as we wrap up today's show this is y'all talk with a southern accent
8: Because the best time to discover your best hair is here, the gorgeous hair event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to fifty percent off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Dry Bar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in—the event ends October twentieth. Only at Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful.
6: This here is the story of Lawrence, who always wanted to play pro football. His parents supported his love of the game, sent him to special camps, and then, in college, pro scouts came to a bunch of games where Lawrence was playing the trumpet at halftime. Yeah, Lawrence was never that good at football, gave up by the time he got to college. But he also learned how Geico could save him a lot of money on car insurance, so he switched and saved. So, this here story has a happy ending after all. Ever wonder
2: why Europeans seem to speak so many languages? Maybe it's because they use Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Babbel's award-winning technology gets you speaking right away, whether you're learning Spanish, French, or German. And best of all, you'll remember what you've learned. I always thought I was bad at languages, but after using Babbel, I can tell you I was just taught the wrong way. Using Babbel's 10 to 15-minute lessons, you can be speaking confidently in your new language within weeks.
8: I was amazed that I could start having real-life conversations right away. It was so fast. Now I'm speaking Spanish. Woohoo! <laughs>
2: No wonder Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Try it for yourself and see why Babbel is the quick way to get conversational in a new language like Spanish, French or more. You can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot or download the app to try it for free. That's Babbel.com. Th- pulls, pull, pull,
0: This is y'all as we wrap up this Thursday edition. Again, keeping our friends in Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, Alabama in mind with Hurricane Michael and support the Red Cross and other organizations who are out trying to make a difference in the recovery of this natural disaster. Let's get out of here today with a couple of guys who have done great things, both on the gridiron and do things great off the field as well. We're going to hear from Julius Peppers and Drew Brees. Well, first we'll hear from Peppers. Now, he grew up in Bailey, North Carolina, which is in eastern North Carolina. And Bailey was hit hard by the floodwaters and such from Hurricane Florence. And Julius Peppers, who's been playing in the NFL for the Carolina Panthers, he played for the Bears. He started with the Panthers back in 2002 and played for Chicago, then Green Bay for a couple of years. And now, starting last year, was back in Charlotte with Carolina. Just a guy that's going to be in the in the NFL Hall of Fame one day, just done a great job defensively in the NFL for, for all these years. Well, he took time out the other day to go back to eastern North Carolina and help out people who are recovering from Hurricane Florence and the awful mess that's come from the floodwaters. And we're going to go now to a press conference that Pepper's had this week in Charlotte talking about his mission, how he's given money, but also did some work to help out his fellow Carolinians.
11: They took us around to visit some of the homes. We left uh, from Charlotte around 6.30 or so. We made the drive down. We met at the local uh, United Way, um, I, I guess the case center, the case management center there. They took us around to visit some of the homes in the in the local area, um, talked to some of the families. We did that for a while, and then... Um, we went to uh, we went to a local church and um, served some meals to some of the people that wanted food, and then after that we went to a police officer's house and um, helped with some of the repairs from his home. So, um, you know, and you know, I was there talking to some of the families, just trying to get a feel for the damage and how everybody was feeling down and it was a good day we we had a we had a lot of fun we we uh we you know we uh we talked to the people and it made their days it made mine too so um, i thought it was a good thing
7: what touched you the most about what
11: you saw <clears throat> um the people just the people just normal everyday people like us that um had a disaster happen that could have happened to any of us so um, you know the, the, the stories and their personal things that they shared, I thought, you know, it, it, it touched me, it touched me and made me want to help more.
7: Obviously these are disasters and you don't want them no matter what, but the fact that you're back in your hometown or, you know, your home state and being yeah. able to help and be around, how grateful are you for that?
11: Yeah, I'm grateful that I was here when this happened. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not grateful that this that that, they, that these things happen, but it's good that I'm around. I, I I was happy to be here. I was happy that I was close and I was and I was near to be able to offer offer support.
0: Julius, you, I mean, you you donated the money and <coughs> you started the fund, but how important was it for you to be hands on and to go there and to see it and to chip in? And- help with repairs yeah it
11: was great it was great to go down there because it's one thing i I said it yesterday it's one thing to write a check and and that's great and that's needed as well but it's another thing to go down actually meet the people talk to them um see to see see some of the damage firsthand and uh get a feel for 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 what really happened it make it it made it real for me it gave a sense of realness Topic of writing
7: checks, Pep, though, can, is there an update or maybe Bruce has one? How's it, how's
0: it going? Yeah, it's
11: going pretty good. Um, we'll have an update soon. We got to go back and check the numbers and stuff, but I'm pleased. It's, it's going It's going well.
0: As far as being hands-on, was this just a one-off thing or are you planning to do some other things?
11: Uh, at the moment, we don't have anything planned, but uh, we're talking about possibly – making another trip to another area that was affected or maybe to the same area. We don't know yet, but uh, right now we're still trying to put that piece together. So um, I do look forward to doing something else.
0: Julius Peppers of the Carolina Panthers talking about his trip to eastern North Carolina this week to help out those who were affected by Hurricane Florence. And again, the Carolinas getting hit by the remnants of Hurricane Michael this week keeping our Southerners in mind here. And Julius, hopefully, will be able to go back and help out Eastern North Carolina, maybe South Carolina, and who knows, any place else that needs help, this guy can offer his support, I'm sure. Drew Brees, he's won the great award in the NFL before, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. He won that in 2006. Well, this, this week, actually, he made history as he became the NFL's career leader in passing yards, a great game he had Monday night against the Washington Redskins in the Big Easy, and he's been playing NFL football since back in 2001 when he was with the Chargers, and then he started with the Saints in 2006, of course led the Saints to the Super Bowl, to a championship when they beat the Chicago Bears a couple years ago down in Miami. Well, Breeze had a chance to talk after his big night Monday night and a lot of this you're going to hear now in this press conference. He's talking about his family, and and that includes his parents. And we thought we would just play a little portion of this great guy, great Southerner sorta. He's not from the South, but he he's been in New Orleans long enough. We'll go ahead and claim Drew Brees. And even if you don't like the Saints, this guy's just a quality guy. And that was on display Monday night in the Superdome. Drew Brees now on the All Show.
9: Well first of all just coming into the game obviously knowing that it's there and it's and it's possible and um just trying to stay very focused on the game and and just executing you know each play one at a time but knowing that you know slowly you're you're creeping closer and closer and just not not knowing when or how that's going to happen and and what's going to be transpiring in the game and you know just the momentum and just different things right and um so when we tried out there for the two-minute drive, I knew we were within striking distance. Felt like you know, uh, if, if, if we if we threw a bunch of balls all the way down the field, if all those were passing yards, then you know we'd probably probably eclipse the record. And didn't know it was going to happen on the first play <laughs> to Traquan, but um, uh, I don't think it could have happened in any better fashion than it did. And um, to have then that moment with my teammates on the field, the offensive line. Um, I mean, it just, it played out even greater than I ever could have imagined. Um, I tried to rehearse the scenario in my mind this, um, this week just so I could, you know, just so I could really focus on the game. Um, but uh, to then have the moment with Sean and Mr. Baker from the Hall of Fame and, um, and then my boys and, and my wife, Brittany, and my daughter, Ryland, that was just, it was, uh, it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so in, in Ted Ginn's absence, Quan stepped in and did a, a magnificent job. Uh, obviously had two really big catches tonight for touchdowns. Um, so credit to him and just the way that he's you know, come along here in his rookie season. Really made a ton of progress. And each and every week, especially within the last couple of weeks, just feeling like, man, this, this kid can really help us, um, can really be a big part of our offense. Um, just need to continue to evolve, and we've got some other pieces as well. You know, we got got Mark Ingram back. Um, Cam Meredith is coming along, and, and and so we've, you know, I feel like we've got a lot of weapons. I feel like we have a lot of ways to uh, to spread the ball around and, and be really productive. I did, I did. In true Peyton fashion, it's uh, it, it, he he always is very creative. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I appreciate spoke with Favre, you know, 2 weeks ago, um after the completion record after um we did that in Atlanta and then um and then uh I'd gotten a text from Peyton and Archie and Cooper and <laughs> spoke to Eli last week and really got his best best wishes from the whole family. Um so that was uh really classic.
0: Drew Brees talking after his big night, Monday night where the Redskins fell to the Saints in New Orleans and Drew Became the NFL's leader in passing yards. He also is the pass completions leader in the NFL. And I apologize, Drew. I had forgot. I knew you played college football for, for Purdue. You're a boiler. But you actually went to high school in Austin, Texas at Westlake. So he's a Texan. So congratulations to this true Southerner. I, I thought he was kind of an honorary Southerner living in New Orleans for so long. But he uh, he's one of us. We'll give him the title And that's more important than any kind of Super Bowl MVP, I'm sure. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to y'all. We've had a good time today, even though it's been at times tough with the Hurricane Michael coverage. But we'll be right back here on Friday to give you our Friday free for y'all and give you the latest on Hurricane Michael and more of what you can do to help out. So we'll see you. Same time, same place. Have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to y'all with John Rawl. Bye-bye.
1: We see it every day. They cut you off. And they tick you off. It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com.